Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. everybody this is phil town and this is danielle town welcome to the invested podcast happy summer deep into it summer i mean deep into and summer, um, yes. yeah we have an atlanta summer going on here danielle has a zurich summer going on there yep and hot are, and humid we're 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 broadcasting about warren buffett style investing here this is what we call rule number one which is the rule that says don't lose money, that's rule number one. Rule number two is of investing, according to Buffett, is don't forget rule number one. So you guys all know that. We are at probably podcast 379 now, yeah, which represents seven years more of this. This is quite something. Um, <laughs> I haven't gotten any older, and neither have you. So this is really like a time machine kind of thing. It's just more experience without aging. It is. It's It's amazing. amazing. Particularly you, you don't seem to age at all. I don't know what your secret is, but you look just like you did like 20 years ago. Well, I will say, I think I look just like I did always. <laughs> like I'm one of those people <laughs> who looks the same as when I was like five years old. It's pretty good. Pretty good. Good genes. I don't know if it's good or somehow. not. <laughs> I so, think I said that to a therapist at some point and she was like, really? Like, let's talk more about that. And I was like, oh, "Oh, dear. Should I have dyed my hair or something? Like, what should I be doing? (laughs) I need to separate myself from my, like, childhood self. I don't know. Oh, my God. Um, I better not get bangs because that's what I had when I was five. But I was thinking about getting post-COVID bangs. Like, you know, like after a breakup, you get bangs? No. Maybe I need post-illness bangs. No. No? No. Uh, bangs are no Doesn't I don't know alright yeah. let's talk about investing that's enough banter <laughs> let's go <laughs> let's go we're talking about what are we talking about well, Netflix yeah well so we finished up Netflix mm-hmm. last time I told everybody that the um, quarterly report was coming out and that was the day that the podcast came out so it's been a week and that was our short little teen up episode last time because we were oh. both out. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, what happened in that meeting was that they actually talked about free cash flow. Well, it wasn't really a meeting. They just sort of did a little interview with some analyst. Yeah, and they did their basically, the way Netflix does it is pretty cool. I mean, most companies have their executives go live with you know, your typical idiotic statement for lawyers that says that you can't believe anything we say. Incredibly smart statement that protects everybody. Uh, That's what you meant. It's boilerplate. And then boilerplate on comes has a the executives who do a blah, 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 blah for 30 minutes. 
And then they have questions and answers from the analysts. Yeah. What Netflix did was really smart. They just wrote a letter. Yeah, they just wrote a letter. And then they had questions from the analysts live. And it was like, hey, read the letter, and now you can ask questions. I thought, ah, this is what everybody should do. This is so much better. I agree. I like the letter as well. It bugs me that nobody signs it. Like, it really gives me the heebie-jeebies that nobody signs it. It's, just, it's, it's formatted as a letter, but it's not by anybody. So hmm. why it's do by, that? It's by the corporation Netflix. Right. So why not just make it like, entity. here's our statement from the corporate. It's very weird that it's formatted to me like as a letter. They, but must, then it's, they must do that to avoid getting the executives getting sued. Or something. It's got to have something know. to do with lawyers. That's for sure. I don't think it's got to have something to do with lawyers. Oh, man. Uh, by CEOs, the way, Danielle is a lawyer for anyone who didn't know that. Yeah. She's a lawyer. We, like, do good things. We protect people from themselves. That's so true. Uh, yeah, many CEOs. We like lawyers till we really need one. Many CEOs write letters every year and sign them. Less and less. There's no less and less. That's true. But yeah, yeah I don't know. It really strike. It strikes me, and we didn't talk about this before, that these letters they put out or these statements they put out are formatted as a letter. It's weird, and I wish that somebody would put their name to it instead of it being this like amorphous, weird thing. I don't know yeah. why it bothers me so much. I think it's because I like the personal letters so much, and I put a lot of stock in how they're written, and. Uh, and, yeah. and take a lot and of information is... about the management from them. And this one is just so corporate-y. Yeah, but they uh, just they basically just put it on paper what they would do at an earnings report. Yeah. And we do miss the the uh, the letters but and there's less and less CEOs writing them because it's become fairly obvious over the years that they lie in those letters substantially. Yeah. Yes. Um, covering things up, not disclosing, you know, lying by omission, sometimes just outright lying. And, you know, almost all of them just, you know, they praise everyone and it's all, it's just total crap. There's the occasional letter, like the one that Warren Buffett writes, of course, is classically course. fabulous and has been for 60 years almost. So uh, it's, you know, I wish I wish these other CEOs were that honest, but they're not good enough to be that honest. Most of these CEOs, I think, honestly, they've gotten there. Many of them by politicking their way to the top, right? Being the least offensive person and the most effective, least offensive, and sort of being political. And they get to the top of these things, and there's a few that really are comp super competent, and they're worth every penny. And then there's the majority who are basically just collecting a lifetime pension forever the insane money yeah i agree and i think one <clears throat> cool thing about netflix well frankly it has both <laughs> both types <laughs> i was gonna say one cool thing about netflix is it has the uh, the former type which is the one who actually cares about the company and reed hastings and he's a good writer he wrote a book that was great and i wish that he would write us some letters about his company <laughs> um, too smart for that yeah don't i don't sue know me. i don't know but but i agree with you that what <laughs> i do like about these letters or statements i'm going to call them 
is that they're quarterly. And most companies, like you said, or I can't even think of another company that does this type of thing, actually, every single quarter. No, they just get up and talk about it. Yeah. Or they put out just a boilerplate short thing. But this is extensive. It talks about financials that are not in the gap statements that people want to know about. And they explain what's going on as well as their goals. And what I found particularly interesting considering our discussion about Netflix is that they made a point in here to talk about their free cash flow and what they expected. Or no, is it in here or was it in the interview? They talked about free cash in here. Okay. But they also talked about it in the, uh, the interview with the analyst about that they are expecting it to continue to be positive and to grow. And I thought that that was, I don't know if they would have mentioned it if they weren't expecting that. I hope they would. But I liked that they talked about it. And there are many companies where you will never hear the words free cash flow. I liked that they brought it out specifically. Yeah, that's very true. The thing that I got the most out of this report, excuse me, is difficult to quantify the value of, but it's incredibly impressive. Um, down on, on page five. By the way, to get to get this report, you go over to Netflix, or one way to get it is to go over to the Netflix and uh, look at their investor relations and get the quarterly report, and you'll get this letter downloaded. You can go over to the Rule One Toolbox, which is at RuleOneInvesting.com, and you can look at uh, regulatory filings, and it'll be there as well. But um, what I got on page five was their share of U.S. TV viewing, which mm. I thought was mind-boggling. Great Mind-boggling. Point. Yeah. Uh, honestly, just truly mind-boggling. So say what it is. incredibly dominant Netflix is. All right, so they, they did this minutes views in the billions, <clears throat> and Apple has 22 billion minutes viewed. Right, 22 billion viewed. Yeah. Prime, 174 billion. Disney, 245 plus Hulu, which is owned by Disney, another 128. So Disney's at about 400, right? By the way, this is only US, just to be clear. Yeah, it's just US. So the total of Disney, Prime, Hulu, Apple is about 600 billion minutes, all right? 600 billion minutes. Netflix has one. 1,334 billion minutes, more than double all of their competition together, more than double of minutes viewed. It, in fact, has more minutes viewed by double than CBS does. That's what blew me away. Well, almost double, almost double. Yeah, Um, almost double. What blew me away is that it by far has more minutes viewed than any single U.S. network, CBS, NBC, or ABC, with Fox in there, too, as at the bottom. And that blew my mind, because what you hear about streaming versus broadcast television is that broadcast television is still in the game. It's still... It's watched still it's still dominating exactly how can you not have in the u.s the networks for people who aren't american it's a total like the, it doesn't even make sense but it's like the bbc it's like we ha- we all have these three networks cbs nbc and abc and for netflix to have so many more minutes yeah really it, it blew really my is mind and that is just us 
And then if I think if you went international, Netflix would be even more dominant because their competition doesn't really have an international face. Yeah. So here, so what we try to figure out is what, how would you value these things? The trouble is that Disney and Hulu, they don't, Disney doesn't break out their streaming in their reports. So we don't know what that is. Prime is Amazon. They don't break it out. Apple, it doesn't break it out. So all these competitors are stuffing their streaming numbers down into their data in a way that we can't really see them and therefore can't really get a, a real handle on the relative values. Uh, That's a great point. That, Go ahead. Yeah, it just says that Netflix is massively dominant in this thing. And now trying to figure out what that's worth is is the job that we have to do, yeah. Um, and with that, we do it on on their you know their annual numbers and so on. But, well, and it's yeah. a great point that these stats. I'm always suspicious of statistics. This is from Nielsen, which has given notoriously faulty numbers for a long time due to not even covering streaming for a lot of years. <laughs> right. So. You know, they're not going to put this up there unless it's favorable to Netflix, obviously. So let's take it with a grain of salt. And, and as no. you astutely pointed out, maybe Disney no. Plus has different numbers that it likes better or something like that. I don't know. I'm not taking this with a grain of salt. I'm taking That's it with a grain of salt. It enormously. Uh, Twitter but I still threw, think the, it's amazing. Uh, Netflix threw up another really great non-gap uh, number, which was the cumulative Twitter volume on the release of strange is it stranger things the you know year four of stranger things volume mm -hmm. uh, number four volume one when they released that and they compared it to the release of obi-wan kenobi and the release of top gun maverick um, a couple of competitor big releases um, and what they're basically looking at is sort of water cooler word of mouth how is wow. it spreading twitter. yeah right twitter yeah. and so and they're showing that the the volume of Twitter mentions in the millions relative to uh, these other two is doubled. It's more than the other two combined. I think the other two combined are about six uh, million, and tw and and uh, Stranger Things was like eight million. So and and they pointed out that they are making stars out of people. <laughs> It's 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 really fascinating. I mean, the, the impact of this stuff on our society. They showed like old music that was from the '80s, from uh, let's say Motley Fool, but it's not Motley Fool. Somebody else. I Motley Crue. No, Metallica. Oh. It's like like running up that hill went to the top of the music charts because it's in Stranger Things, oh. and everybody went out and started buying the Metallica hit. Um, and it's just really, really cool. I've got so, to watch it. I mean, I will say I took some viewing advice from this report because they listed some really popular shows that I haven't watched. Yeah, like I, uh, I, The Umbrella Academy. What is that? I've not watched that. I need to look. Oh, I started into that, and you know, it's like it was pretty good. But I, I like to watch stuff with Melissa, and she doesn't like it when it starts to become all, you know, impossible technology and. Oh. People with magical powers who can fly through the air and all that kind of crap. So the oh. Umbrella Academy is full of that stuff. Um, <laughs> we did watch, I, I did watch uh, The Gray Men, which is going to be a long running hit. They are really pushing that one. Oh, they should. It's it's really good. 
What's the guy's name? Ryan somebody? Who's I don't know lead? anything about oh. it. Except that I've read it in this report. Okay, I'm terrible with Hollywood names. But anyway, he went out to the gym. I can tell you that. <laughs> he went to the gym, for real. <laughs> God, now I have to look ripped. it up. <laughs> oh my gosh. So it's a kind of... Oh, it has uh, Ryan John... Gosling in it for everybody yeah. who's wondering. Ryan Gosling, there it is. So it's sort of I don't think, Ryan Gosling well, is sort of a John Wick character. Oh, and it has the guy from um, Bridgerton, from the first season of Bridgerton. Um, it's got some really good actors in it, and it has some and nice Anna plot twists. Wow, it's, it's yeah. just massive action adventure. I, I really enjoyed it. I had a good time. It's a good ride. Okay, so so they're yay, still Netflix. on the A game. I guess I'm not going to cancel them this month, although I threaten <laughs> every single month. I don't know how you can not keep watching because they they keep throwing things up at me that I probably would like. And they're right. Almost every single time. They're right. I, I like their recommendations really seem to dial me in. Well, that's what, that's what we were talking about, that they could really improve on that. And I find it a it's just a bummer that they haven't done it so far and i think they were just caught by covid maybe i don't know um and put the money elsewhere but with this shift that they're clearly going to do to ad based subscription they talked about it extensively in the interview they wrote about it in the earnings report this is where netflix is going ad based subscription mm-hmm. um and encouraging slash forcing people to not share their accounts anymore. The, the, the added value that they can give to us is to provide us that great page when you open it and suggests things that you would really enjoy watching. But Nuno and I have the new kind of account that they talk about where you can share it with somebody else and thereby watch it in two different places at the same time. Mm-hmm. And yet they have not adjusted our account for that. So our account is all over the place because he watches different stuff than I do. So the suggestions are this like weird mix of stuff that kind of neither of us really want to watch. Mm. So their algorithm in providing that that really excellent value to customers has not caught up with their new subscription models in my very personal anecdotal experience. Mm. So we'll see if they focus on that going forward. And I think as they get into these ads, which I found it interesting, they talked a lot about a new frontier of advertising and making advertising be this incredible experience for the viewer like okay (laughs) Um, great make better ads I'm all for it (laughs) but but people really turn off when there's an ad and they really turn off when they're paying to watch an ad which is the model that Netflix is going to introduce so um so I hope that they start to work on that um personalized recommendations part of their offering
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, I, I'm I'm fascinated by the their shift of the business to uh, more and more cash flow, um, and they made the point that their um, their depreciation schedule is changing over time. Um, mm. They have been spending more about about 1.6 times their depreciation, and they're dropping it down. They dropped it down to 1.2 in this latest report, and wh- what that essentially means is that cash flow is increasing, and as they start to increase cash flow, if you calculate that some of what they're depreciating is still valuable, it's not like a pickup truck that's going to zero value. Mm-hmm. It shows that, um, as they were mentioning, Stranger Things uh, season two and three picked up dramatically in the number of people watching them after season four opened because people oh, were yeah. coming to season four for the first time on Stranger Things, and then they go back and pick up the previous stuff. Sure. And there's a lot of evergreen content sitting in Netflix that has been depreciated to zero. Mm. And that is how we look at their value. We, we're looking at um, the real what we think is the real sort of owner earnings coming in off of the company, which would include these shows that are evergreen, yeah. that are going to be watched years into the future. Yeah. Um, we would put that into growth capital expenditure rather than sort of maintenance where they have to replace stuff that goes to zero. And when we look at it like that, we see this company as being very close, very on sale, actually, um, when it got into the got below 200 bucks. Um, and we could be real wrong. So you guys remember, this isn't about you copying me or Danielle. This is about uh, you I've, figuring things out. I've said nothing to, about Netflix's value but understand that that is this is just educational okay don't don't go running out there and go oh well you know but i will tell you that one of the best investors in the world that i know um bill ackman bought in at 400 bucks a share here (laughs) and ackman's the same guy that bought into um chipotle mexican grill at 400 it's now uh it's hit 2000 and it's now 1200 i mean this guy's really good and um he's you know, he buys a small number of companies. He knows what he's doing. And I think it's a really good guy to watch uh, to, to get ideas on what to what to uh, look at. So between Ackman and me, <laughs> we're very, very pro on, on Netflix right here. Clearly. <laughs> so take that for what it's worth. Yeah, take that as Don't the sales pitch it. it is. Good Lord. It isn't a sales pitch at I all. I think it's, it's really underpriced. Don't listen to me, but here's somebody else who also totally bought it at way more money than you could pay right now. Right now. Did you hear me? He paid more than you could pay right now. By double. By, by double. Double. It's I, on I sale. Do think, I do think this is a bit of a repeat of Chipotle. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, I think it is. And Bill and I were both right about that one. So, and we're not going to mention the ones we were wrong about. Nope. Well, actually, we do on this podcast mention the ones. No, we're and wrong he about. does all the time They're too, so which rare. is great. Um, but, but yeah, um, I think I think yeah. uh, anybody listening to this one who has not listened to the earlier 
episodes, go listen to the earlier episodes because there's a heck of a lot of questions that we have no answers to about this company. And that's what yep. makes it interesting. Um, it one more thing I wanted to get your opinion on is they said that they were going to keep their spend um, right around, they kept using the obnoxious term, in the zip code of 17 billion, billion. I'm sure, yeah, um, yep. per year. Yep. So I thought that was interesting that it wasn't really going to, go up much and i was expecting it to go up that as they move more towards original programming that they would uh be throwing money at it well the original programming is running around um 10 billion um and they're increasing it right so essentially they're decreasing their leasing they're not leasing so many titles and i think oh interesting so that's the total number yeah. Including licensing. Yeah, exactly. Oh, and I think yeah, what they're, they're running definitely into is, not going to be licensing so much because nobody wants to license to them. Well, that's part of it. And also there's tremendous bidding going on now from these other companies that don't have Netflix data and therefore don't really know what to build. And so they are actively seeking the most creative, talented people in Hollywood and finding out what they want to build and buying it and they're paying big money and Netflix is just sort of stepping back from all of that and saying we think we have an engine that knows what to build and uh, we're going to build it and so I, I like it I think it's really good the, the more they do their own stuff the more that permanent number of, of long-term value shows grows in their yes. database yeah um, they don't get the long-term benefit of leasing. They get a, right. you know, that's a real depreciation item. They, when that thing runs out, it's gone. Yes. That, that thing, that show's over. But when they build it themselves, they get these long-term replays and they can feed stuff to me. It's just such a great flywheel. They just feed stuff to me that could be eight years old and I'm going to watch it if, if they're really if good. If it's at, good. Yeah, if I mean, that's the... At, well, if it's good is so subjective and in the eye of the beholder that the real critical thing is that if it's good to me, right? Yeah, yeah. In other words, that's the key thing. I mean, and, I... Go ahead. Well, I, I just remember the, the Last Kingdom. They fed that one to me and I had seen some other Viking thing and it was just okay and I got bored after a while. And so I was reluctant to start this one. You know, there's another Viking thing. But they fed it to me so I thought I'd take a look at the first one on some night I didn't have anything to do. And boom, hooked. I know. You've and mentioned told, it over and over. Well, look at me. But I'm I haven't heard that about 10 different, episodes, 10 different series. I've heard that from you about one. Well, it's the, the best one that I've seen, right? Yeah. And the point being that you get evangelical about these things. And so I've told the guy that shoes our horses, a good friend of mine, <laughs> former ranger, 10th Mountain Division, love this guy. <laughs> And um, big shout out to Quentin. And uh, and he loved it, right? So now it's going to make the rounds of all the sort of ex-warrior network that goes out there. All these guys are telling all these other guys, this is a warrior show. You got to watch this show. It's really good. Yeah. It, right? Just like and that, every chick I know texted every other chick I know to go watch Bridgerton immediately. So we all did. Which looks pretty good if you like the sort of Emma shows, you know? 
No, it's fabulous. Is but it the really point good? is, like, what I yeah, heard yeah, blaring in gigantic red neon was, mm. don't freak out, guys, when we don't have Seinfeld on Netflix anymore. Like, yeah. that to me was the subtext that was so loud because hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of people subscribed to Netflix originally because it was the only place that had all the Seinfeld episodes. Right. And they're going to lose them. So what do they have when they don't have Seinfeld, they don't have Friends, they don't have The Office, they don't have Parks and Rec, they don't have all those comfort shows that are tried and true that people will subscribe for because they watch them over and over on a Tuesday night when they're tired. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, that's what they're, they're trying to warn us all about. Like, no, really, we're going to be fine. We're going to be fine. Everybody, we're creating a lot of really good stuff. It's going to be fine. And by the way, they're, they lost a million subscribers. Um, they were projecting losing 2 million Mm -hmm. and the market's taking that as a a big win. Mm -hmm. And, um, and they're, they projected that not because they lost Seinfeld, but because they jacked the rates and they also kind of forwarded everybody into their subscription process during COVID. Yeah. Um, and they are simply, you know, it's basically but wait, going you're through freaking the me out churn. now because they better still have Seinfeld on there. Well, I'm literally going to go because I mean, basically, Netflix has a churn. Churn is the amount of people you lose as subscribers every year. And their churn level is half of what everybody else's is. So while there is going to be churn once they lose Seinfeld, you got to remember that once you've watched all the Seinfeld episodes, you might not go back and watch it's them. It's still all on there, guys. At least on my Swiss Netflix, it's okay, still so it's on still there. there. Thank God. So I, I'm I'm with this company. I think that they've got a flywheel. I think they really do. I think it is a risky business. I think that it's not the easy call as a Chipotle. It's it doesn't have that certainty to it that, hey, we build more stores, more people will come, we'll, we'll get more money. Um, they do have to be creative and they do have to put out new, new stuff. Um, but I think they can do it. So I'm going to put it in the Risky Biz portfolio. That means I can do about 10% of our portfolio uh, in it, 10 to 15 max. And, then, and uh, that's probably where we're going on this thing. So I like it. I think it's something you should look at if you want an idea of a, a little bit harder business to take a look at. Um, this is, this is one where valuing it is a little tricky. You're really going to have to, to study the valuation process, uh, that we put out there in our books, rule one invested, um, and then apply those to Netflix. And I think you'll find that it's, it's a really good model for doing some harder work, right? You want to do easy work? Look at Chipotle in 2015, (laughs) 16, 17, 18. You're seeing a company that's pretty easy to value. Want a harder one? Do Netflix through the last few years. So there you go. Some studying for you to do. Yeah, and, and I always I look at the might... one more one more sentence. I always look at okay. the maybe two sentences. I always look at the words that people use as uh, as educated by Laura Rittenhouse's amazing book, Investing Between the Lines. And Reed Hastings speaks with candor. And I appreciate it so much. And yeah. it's what makes me, it's what makes him who he is, but it's what makes me trust him more than maybe some other founder CEO. And here again, like I'm just looking at the transcript. He specifically 
leads with the negative, which I truly appreciate. He says, we're talking about losing 1 million instead of losing 2 million. So our excitement is tempered by the less bad results. So some, you know, (laughs) spinny type CEO, uh, professional CEO, like the co-CEO would say that very differently and did. And the CFO spoke about it very differently. Nobody talked about the debt, for example. So the down the line guys, I'm less confident in, but I think Reed Hastings in in the very little that he spoke uh, perpetuated the confidence that I have in him. Okay, one more one more quick thing on the debt. <laughs> and that is they have a load of debt and that if you uh, look at it relative to cash flow, it's quite scary. Um, but if you're looking at that relative to earnings, it's quite within the range we were comfortable with. Um, but cash flow is what they pay debt with. So you have to be a little careful here and understand that they have quite a lot of latitude in what they have to spend every year. Um, and I don't see the debt as a real problem as long as it doesn't get any bigger. And I don't think they're increasing it. I think they're going to decrease it as time goes along. But that's another, another red that's flag a that conjecture, you should pay Because they haven't yeah. actually said that, right? Yeah. All right, okay. that's it for Netflix. Done. Done. Go study. Anybody who and, hates uh, Netflix can come back to us now. That's right. We'll be moving on to probably some of the other FANG stocks out there. Let's oh, you see. want to keep talking about specific companies? I kind of like doing well, I this. I think so. The FANG, the FANG stuff has gotten hammered. Yeah. Facebook crushed. Google down. Apple not down so much and maybe massively overpriced right now. Um Stuff to look at. So Fang is fun. I mean, it's it's they are. You're and it's fun because everybody smoke. knows them and uses them. Yeah, yeah. All right, maybe we'll get going on that next week. It'll be kind of fun. All right, okay. until then. All right, time to go. Thanks, play. everybody. Bye. See you guys. Hi guys, thanks for listening to Invested. If you enjoyed this episode and you want more information or to listen to additional episodes, visit our website at investedpodcast.com and sign up for my virtual workshop right there. Spots are definitely limited for this event. I'm not kidding, they really are. They sell out very quickly. So everything discussed on this podcast, by the way, is either my opinion or it's Danielle's opinion. And it's really important, it's not to be taken as investing advice because I am not your financial advisor nor have I considered your personal situation as your fiduciary. So remember that. You're on your own here. This podcast is for your entertainment and education only, and I really hope you enjoyed it.